Welcome to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We're less than 50 days out from the opening ceremonies of the Winter Olympics in Beijing. This week, USA Gymnastics and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee reached a $380 million settlement with the survivors of Dr. Larry Nassar. The money will mostly be paid for by TIG Insurance Company, one of the final insurers. About $34 million will reportedly be paid directly by the USOPC, and USA Gymnastics will pay $6 million based on a loan it received from the USOPC. The settlement ends a five-year court battle. It's one of the largest settlements ever awarded to sex abuse victims. USOPC CEO Sarah Hirschland released a statement that read in part, quote, we recognize our role in failing to protect these athletes, and we are sorry for the profound hurt they have endured, end quote. This week, the USOPC announced while American athletes competing in Beijing will need to be vaccinated before heading overseas for the games, they will not need to have their booster shots. The USOPC also saying it's moving forward with plans to explore a Salt Lake City Winter Olympics bid in 2030. Barcelona, Spain, Vancouver, Canada, and Sapporo, Japan are the other candidate cities. Minnesota Wild General Manager Bill Guerin has been named General Manager of the 2022 U.S. Olympic men's hockey team. New York Rangers President and GM Jim Drury has been added as a General Manager. The move coming a month after previous GM Stan Bowman stepped down from his role with Team USA and the Chicago Blackhawks over an abuse scandal years ago within the Blackhawks organization. This weekend, U.S. Olympic trials are underway in Salt Lake City for short track speed skating. In our athlete spotlight, we had a chance to talk with Ryan Pivarato. He was an alternate on the 2018 U.S. team and is hoping for a breakthrough performance this weekend as he looks to skate in his first Olympic Games. From the last interview that I saw, the last piece of information, you seemed a little disappointed with your performance at the World Cup. Am I correct that uh, maybe things didn't quite go the, the direction you had hoped? Um, yeah, these past four World Cups were really a test for, I guess, our team, which is really young. We ended up getting two spots in the 1,500 uh, and 1,000 and one spot in 500. So, and we did fail to qualify at relay. So there's, I was sad that we couldn't do better, but I know that everyone who raced, like if they're all in, like, it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. You've been in these situations before you went through the cycle in 2018. Uh, you were an alternate on that team, correct? Yep. What did, what did you learn from that experience and what can you use from that heading into Beijing here as you, you prepare to try to make uh, team USA here this, this time around? Uh, I'm definitely taking more of a leadership role and like a senior role on the team. So over the past four years, I've definitely wanted to help build the team up and help like all the guys that came in who like who have made World Cup teams for the first time ever to really realize what it takes to race the guys at the top versus just racing me and a few other guys in the U.S., because it's completely different how we race nationally versus we race internationally. Like, levels just higher. Where is Team USA at when it comes to, to, to racing right now on the international level? I mean, are we competitive or are we, do we still have a little ways to go? We're still competitive. Um, we're still there. We just don't have a full team. Um, but, I mean, our ladies did a fantastic job uh, qualifying five spots, which is the first time in years. Uh, the guys have a little catching up to do, but I think we are definitely uh, still competitive with the rest of the world. So what's coming up this weekend? Yeah, so we have a three-day competition of the Olympic trials. Um, 
double distance. So we'll race every distance twice. Are you getting amped up for this? Are you trying to calm yourself, your nerves down? I mean, what's your mindset going into this days away, knowing what's on the line? It's, it's a roller coaster for sure. Um, I think I'm getting nervous a lot right now and I'm trying to just like hold that in and not really let it spread like, and maybe like my whole body and feel nervous. I like to like keep it centered and around my stomach, but there's also like the excitement of it too. Like it's the Olympic trials. It's huge. Like literally televised. Anyone can watch in the U S it really is a huge competition for us. Do you find for yourself that it's better to get yourself pumped up, amped up, or is it steady as she goes, just nice and even kind of, kind of walk me through, uh, you know, your mentality, even leading up to the point of, of, you know, the, the, the start of the race. I tend to calm myself down. There's a lot of people that'll be listening to music, um, pumping themselves up. But for me, I'm definitely one that just likes to be in my own zone, um, not too relaxed, not too excited, just kind of like the right amount of preparedness. It's really hard to say, but being calm is definitely the right word for me versus like being relaxed or excited. To do that, do you go through certain routines? Are you meditating? How, how are you how are you trying to get to that that point uh it's definitely a lot of just going through the same warm-up routine um a lot of deep breathing if you want to call that meditating um do i'll do some visualization of like what's going to happen in the race before uh but definitely right before i get onto the ice i'm in the heat box um i'm just keeping my head and my body as calm as it can be I, I want to touch on that visualization because a lot of athletes talk about that from LeBron James to, uh, you know, baseball players about how they're visualizing the game or the race or the match ahead of them. I mean, you can't think of everything that's going to come up, but what are you trying to do when you're visualizing? First of all, is it just kind of random visualization or do you actually set aside a time and place to kind of sit and, and be in that, that headspace? Uh, earlier in my career, it definitely just came in randomly at random moments. It could be like on a driving home or like just going for an easy jog where I'd start to get like visualized like a race and get, get me really pumped up and excited. Um, now it's like I'm choosing to play, play around with my mind to see what happens in a race. And it can be replaying the race 10, 15, 20 different times with different scenarios and seeing how I react and how I always come out on top. Have you found it helpful? I mean, have there been times when you visualize something and that's just exactly how it turned out and, and you were prepared or something something came up that you had thought about previously? I mean, has it been successful for you? Absolutely, it has. And I don't know if it's been many times, but it's been a, it's been a couple of times where it kind of feels like deja vu a little bit. Um, so... It feels good, and that's what. And I'm I'm happy that it has played out a couple times, but eh, we'll see what happens. You do? Do you have a job, or is this your full time gig? This is my full time gig. Um, right now, I'm going to school to be to work in like the computer science field, and then I like to play video games, and then I also like to just do a lot of things outside with my fiance. 
and she got me into skiing last season. And so I'm kind of debating right now if I want to go hit the slopes uh, this year or not. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you, you, you want to do everything you can to stay healthy. But how could a guy from Michigan have not done uh, – you've skied before, right? Only snowboarded like once or twice. Like okay. I remember going, but it was only once or twice. And I wanted, I was wanted to go more. And so I'm happy I finally like jumped forward at the opportunity and went. How'd you get into uh, speed skating? Uh, so I played hockey for 10 years and then I made them, me and my family moved to Connecticut and that's where I actually started speed skating. Go figure. Uh, so, uh, I just remember getting tired of like the hockey scene. Like I was too small. I wasn't getting any bigger, but like I was always one of the most skilled people on my team and I could skate really well and really, it, it made it, I made it look easy. So 2010 came along and then I just decided to do one season with uh, my high school team and then try speed skating. And I really fell in love with like the moment I hit the ice and just the difference that was from hockey. And so ever since then, I've really been giving it my all to progress through the ranks of the U.S. and through the world. Was that a decision and a transition that you made by yourself or were you getting pushed by a, a coach or a family member or something like that? Was there, was there any history there of, of speed skating before? No, there's no history. Um, I was the first one in my family. Um, there's been like hints of my mom saying it back like when I'm like five or six, like you should try speed skating. I think you'll be good at it. And I don't know what the sport is at that point. I'm like, what's that? Sounds weird. Um, but when I made this decision, I had help from my parents to see what was going on, what I needed to do. But at the end of the day, I was the one making my own decisions from about 14 years old. Well, I can imagine that, you know, the, the thought of you getting pummeled with hockey pucks and sticks would probably be one of the reasons. Although I'm sure now as you've grown up that she's probably just as terrified or scared and everyone's as scared when you go down or see some of these horrible crashes that happen. Oh, they're probably way more nervous because a lot more, a lot more is at stake. Absolutely. Have you been, I, I mean, you've, you've probably gone down a few times, but I mean, have there been some pretty bad ones in your career? Uh, I've had, I actually someone that hasn't fallen a lot. Like I've fallen probably a normal amount of times, but I remember getting cut in my ankle in, uh, 2018 after the Olympic season, after the Olympics that took me out for, it was like three weeks right before our world uh, cup trials, really bad timing, by the way, I do not recommend getting cut at that point in time, point in time. So I was able to somehow get better enough to race for the competition, but I didn't make an make team because I lost a lot of muscle, a lot of training, like everything I trained for in the summer just was swept away from me. So I kind of had to rebuild myself, uh, more mentally too. um, I was able to get back to myself, get back to who I was as a racer, uh, in March. So it kind of took me the whole season to get back to where I was, but it's what you have to go through sometimes. Talk to me a little bit about the training for this. I assume there's a lot of strength, a lot of cardio involved as well. What are you, are you lifting? Are you running combination of both cross train? Oh yeah. We'll do pretty much anything. I mean, in the summertime we're in the weight room three days a week for an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, other than that, we'll be on the bike going, doing either bike workouts to keep our heart rate in a certain zone for extended periods of sets. And then, We'll 
go up and like ride the canyons in Utah because there's it's this really good training to bike up a canyon and it's really fun to bike down the canyon. Um, and then we'll hit dry land, which is just focusing on the techno as the technical aspect of the sport, get our technique better, get our strength in that position better. Uh, we will just do anything. Are you kind of on an island training by yourself or is it all your, your U.S. teammates? Are you guys all training together? We were all training together and we had a few people train away from the national team this season, but they, uh, they came back uh, before the first World Cup trials and they've, they've been here uh, since. So some, it depends on who the skater is, but for the most part, it's the national team training together. And these are the people you end up competing against? It's so awkward to race because they know your weaknesses and strengths, and I know their weaknesses and strengths. So it's really a mind game, um, uh, these sort of competitions. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the pandemic and, and what that meant for your training and kind of your trajectory when, when that hit. Where were you at? Were you stateside at that point? Yeah, I was still in Utah at that point, and then it was awkward. <laughs> We like for training for normal training, we're in packs and we are close to each other. Like we skate behind people like next to their or head to their butt, basically. Um, and when the pandemic hit, we just put a stop to that. We spread out. So it wasn't like it really wasn't training at that point, but it was something to do. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but it was just very, very awkward to train. But and a lot of competitions uh, got canceled. Uh, so we really didn't know what the season was going to hold. We ended up having the world championships and I went to go to that. So having a breath of fresh air after months and months of just the same thing was very nice. What was that first competition like? I'm sure there were incredible health protocols and places you couldn't go and normal routines you couldn't be a part of because of, of the protocols in place. Oh yeah, like usually when we go to World Cups, like we will go out to see the city that we're in or just go do something. But this time or the last year was it? Yeah. Um we just couldn't do anything. We just had to sit in our hotel rooms and just go from the hotel to the rink, rink to the hotel and many COVID tests. Um so we got to race, but that's kind of really about it. It was kind of like training again i don't it just wasn't like a world cup but we got to race so that's the good part of it and i i assume that's kind of the mentality you have going into beijing is these these games are going to be a little different they're going to be a little weird but it is what it is and and you got to push through are you are you satisfied with the safety protocols that you're hearing from usopc and the ioc about the things that they're going to be doing there or is that too many steps ahead for you to really get swept up into um, we were there in what was it October for the test event, and so we got to get a glimpse of like what everything was going for. And so far, um, everything seemed pretty safe. We had no positive cases in Beijing, I believe, and then the testing wasn't too crazy or too out of hand. It kind of felt like normal at the point, but um, I don't know what the USOPC has heard. Uh, but from my experience at the Beijing World Cup, uh, the testing protocol and the protocol seemed better than what I imagined. How was the venue there? 
venue was it's like it was like what the capital stadium center or something like that but uh wasn't as big as what i thought it, w- it would be i thought it would be a little bit bigger but uh, the ice was amazing it was like skating in salt lake but with uh it's a better quality um it's gonna be fast it's for sure world records are gonna be broken so break it down for me because i've talked with a lot of long track uh racers what is your what's different from your skill set than theirs other than obviously the size of the oval i'll see short track it's kind of like the crazy cousin of long track (laughs) um they race one other they race one other person we race five to six to seven other people on the same time. Um, they're all about speed and getting the fastest, as the fastest time they can. We're, we have speed, but we need to get around people. We need to leave. We need to be defensive. There's a whole aspect of if you're in front, I got to worry about the people behind me. And if I'm in the back or I'm in the middle of the pack, I got to worry about people in front of me and behind me. It's, oh, it's a huge game and to play around with your position and to play around with how you want to get above and how you want to get to the next round. So are you at a point right now? Cause I've talked with track and field. I've talked with swimmers and you know, they're trying to peak at the right time. Obviously you, you, you're hoping to get to that point. Now, are, are you just training in a way to keep your, your body as steady as possible? Or are you ramping up to these competitions that are coming up here? So right now, I think I'm peaking for this competition for the Olympic trials, and then we'll go into another training cycle. Um, and then I'll peak again for the Olympics. Lay out for me what the next two months look like for you. I mean, if, if everything goes according to plan, what, what is what is this weekend bring and, and kind of everything up to potentially Beijing? Yeah, I mean... First steps first, like I got to get prepared for the Olympic trials. I have to do well, and I don't want to like think about that because short track anything can happen. If all things go well, uh, we get a week. Like no matter what happens, we'll get a week off to really rest our bodies, and then just we train throughout the majority of um, the end of the end of December into the end of January. Then fly out to Beijing, and then it's just holding a it's peaking for two weeks, honestly, because we are, our event is the entire, the length of the entire games. Being someone who visualizes beforehand and having been in Beijing before is some of your visualization being there, being at the Olympics, or is that, uh, do you have to push those thoughts aside and say, I got to get through steps one through five first? <laughs> uh, something I can definitely start to well do uh, because Visualize myself at the games will definitely help me prepare for uh, this weekend. All right. So tell me about gaming and tell me about building your own computer. First of uh, all, how much time are you spending gaming ever? I mean, is this like your, your like chill out, relax, kind of like, you know, lose, lose your mind of everything about racing and, you know, everything else that's going on. Is that kind of what you use as a fallback on? Yeah. I kind of really escape my reality for, couple hours a day um i kind of spend my time between this uh schoolwork and just watching tv but it's something i've been done been doing my whole life and i just made the switch to like building my own pc in 2018 and i loved it like building my own pc was really fun i didn't expect it to be that fun 
And and that's something that you want to continue on beyond your athletic days is is getting involved with that. Uh, maybe we'll see. I think something something's might come to an end, um, but I don't know what's going to happen after I retire. Which, by the way, at twenty six, correct? I mean, where are you at in the evolution of the sport? Are you in? Are you on the older side, the younger side? I would say I'm probably right in the middle. I mean, the oldest guy we have on the World Cup circuit is Charles Hamlin at 37, which I don't think anyone has skated at 37 competitive, competitively and win. Like, he's amazing. And then we have people that are you know, 17, 18, like, making their first World Cup team. So I think there's a lot of people that are in the mid-20s, I'd say. Uh, and then far and few uh, that are probably around 30 and below 20. Well, you're at an interesting part of your career then because you, you've you been through the 17, 18-year-olds and they're probably, they've probably got a ton of talent, but maybe not as smart when it comes to being on the ice. Do you feel like you're at a point now where you're a smarter racer than you were even last Olympic cycle? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like, J.R. Selsky... <laughs> said that this is an ever-evolving sport and you can't stay the same. You always have to create new ways to move forward and change yourself to fit what's the best for the sport right now. So that's where I, I've always, I've always uh, changed how I skate and definitely changed how I race and changed how I do a lot of things to keep my body ready and to keep progressing What's the technology like in the sport? Has there been a progression as far as the equipment you use or the way you're training? Obviously, you're a computer guy. So, I mean, are you using a lot of that um, in your training to improve yourself? There, I know that my team um, has started really implementing some sports science, especially in the weight room, to help us out. Uh, as far as technology, our boots keep getting stiffer. Our blades keep getting stiffer. Um there's a lot of like individual technology that's happening with that because those are like the important uh, equipment pieces for us, especially the, like, including the helmet too. But that's just a helmet with MIPS to help you not get a concussion. The real technology is in the blades, how they're made there, and how the boots are made. Because this board keeps getting faster, and to, if we keep getting faster, we need stiffer stuff to hold the speed and to hold ourselves up. How many pairs of boots do you bring to a competition? I know I talk with BMXers and they've got two, three bikes sitting in the back just in case they need one. I mean, do you have one that you lean on or do you, do you bring an assortment and, and make a judgment call that day? Well, so I think the majority of people have about one pair of boots, maybe two, but because those will last us several years. Uh, but blades is where we'll start chasing them off. I mean, I have... I just got about four pairs ready for me to race now, but before I only had about two. I know some people have like five or six pairs because those will blow, they'll, they'll break. They'll have different bends in them for different ice conditions. A lot. So I think some people might go through like a couple pairs of blades in a weekend. Are you in charge of transporting them? Are they with you? Or do you put them in a box and ship them overseas and hope that they get there? I'll carry them with me on my carry um, on my, in my check bags when I travel internationally. And then from hotel to heat box, they're with my, um, I'll bring them to the rink. 
And then my co at the rink, my coach and my equipment coach are the ones that are in charge of them, charge of changing out my blades if I ever break one. You can't bring your blades on a plane for carry on, I bet, can you? That's probably considered you a dangerous actually, weapon. In the US, you actually can, which is crazy. Like you can't bring a wrench that big, but you can bring blades this big just fine. Are you on social media at all? Yeah, it's just uh, Instagram, Ryan Pivarotto, Twitter, Ryan Pivarotto, I think. Okay. All right. You got a lot of followers then in the, uh, probably in the, in the racing community, I would suppose. I just hit a thousand and which is nothing like it's nothing. I was excited when I saw four digits instead of three. Well, you, we'll just see in a few months where you're at. So you'd be amazed at how quickly things turn. Of course, we'll be keeping our eye on Ryan this weekend. Next week, we chat with figure skater Brady Tunnell, who's hoping to heal up in time to get back on the ice and lock down another Olympic bid. I'm Ryan Burrow. We'll see you then right here on Quest for Gold.